The following is a presentation on the UFSN Network. Welcome to the UFAFL Nation. Yes, greetings and salutations and welcome in. It is Super Bowl weekend. Welcome into the UFAFL Nation. I am your host, Michael Skrzyzak, and boy, do we have a great show for you today, guys. It is the award show for the UFAFL Nation. We are going to hand out some awards for some players that helped out a lot of teams this year. going to have our boy Andy McNamara on shortly to help me dish out some of these awards, including Offensive Rookie of the Year, uh, we got Defensive Player of the Year, we got Biggest Bust, we got GM of the Year, plus so much more. I can't wait to get into that with Andy Mack. And, of course, we got big game this weekend and the SCO Bowl between uh, Ross and the Legion, DJ Myers, and the Heat Wave. I can't wait to see that battle. Remember, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at MichaelSKRZ. You can follow the league on Twitter as well at DUFAFL, also on the Instagram. And then Jamie Thomas heading the scouting department at UFAFL underscore scouting. You know, Jamie Thomas is a busy guy. We'll get into that a little bit later as well. Uh, you can email us if you have any questions at info at uffsports.com. And then there's a link there at the bottom of the screen to check out anything, any other part of the league that you'd want to see as well. And don't forget, guys, to check out fantastic items available at the UFAFL store. Sorry, just a, a little tickle in my throat there. Uh, the link there at the bottom of the page, guys. Um, Valentine's Day this weekend. Maybe your sweet wants a, uh, a mug with her favorite UFAFL logo or maybe a water bottle, maybe a hoodie, maybe a T-shirt. It's actually a little positive degree Celsius in Toronto today, so you might not need that hoodie, but a t-shirt with a UFAFL logo is always a good idea. So don't forget to check out the store there and help out the boys. A lot of hard work being done behind the scenes. So why don't we just get into it and let's bring in Andy McNamara. He is everything UFAFL, guys, and we had to have him on the show to help give out some awards. Andy, I know you're taking some time out of a busy schedule. How are you doing today, my brother? And, and everybody, I can't believe we've gotten to this point, right? We, we've gotten from the franchise auction in July, through the drafts, through the season, through the playoffs, 32 teams down to two. So absolutely unbelievable. Happy to be on with you. Well, before we get into the awards, Andy, we know you're a busy guy. You're doing a lot behind the scenes every day. Uh, the Legends League finally kicked off. Yeah. I know you guys have been going extremely hard with that. Uh, you guys had a successful first week. I, I was tuning in uh, to the one live commentary game that you did as well. Um, can you just plug a little bit of the Legends League and how are things are going so far? Yeah, well, it's, it's it's tons of fun because with the Legends League, like we've talked about, it's the what-if scenarios. It's the dream entertainment scenario of what if we had NFL players, the all-time greats from any era, playing in their prime with no injuries. How would that look? What would that conversation be? Could Jim Brown get through Lawrence Taylor? How would Joe Montana and Otto Graham go back and forth with each other? Like these dream situations are so intriguing and we got to see them play out in week one, 16 weeks, every single Sunday and then Monday for the So it was really fun to call and kind of trippy, Chris, because I was saying, you know, Joe Montana, three-step drop, hands it to Walter Payton, sweetness cuts to the left. I'm like, this is this is odd to say. <laughs> you know, it's it's a little strange. But yeah, the, the game of the week was awesome. You go to AFLL.live, AFLL.live. That's the YouTube channel. 
like and subscribe right there. Monday game of the week every single week. And then Sunday, yeah, we got it on demand uh, starting at 11 a.m. Sunday all the way through the day. So you can go back and check. We have special uh, digital athlete UFF sports interviews. This past week was Eric Metcalf talked about his cigar line, his NFT collection. This week, we're going to talk with Lionel Jelly Roll Dalton, Super Bowl champ. So appropriate that he's coming on and his charity foundation and new book. Uh, and he's in the game. He actually scrizzed in week one. Lionel, this is a funny story. Lionel Dalton, who owns the Birds of Prey team in the AFLL, he, he got scooped on himself. So Team Valhalla uh, drafted Lionel Dalton. Lionel had a trade for himself to get him on his team. <laughs> so he got kind of held over the coals a little bit there to get the, get the Lionel back. And then he, like, he sacked Drew Brees three times. It was, it was crazy. It was such a fun what-if scenario to see. So make sure you check it out, folks, on Twitter at the AFLL. Uh, American Football Legends League, and then subscribe on YouTube, uh, AFLL.live. Yeah, and I think uh, your boy Autogram is on pace to score uh, 100 touchdowns, I think, <laughs> in this Man. season. Can't, what, eight or nine Woo. that first week? So, nine yeah, touchdowns. Boy, it, it's, whew, it's wild, man. It's it, it's crazy because yeah, you get to see. Hall of Fame secondaries. It's pretty, it's yeah. pretty crazy, man. Right, like, like it's such a it's, it's such a well it's a, such a well fantasy ride that whole league. It's uh, good on you guys for getting this thing off the ground and it looks great. And Axis Football guys, Danny and the boys over there, doing a wonderful yeah. job. So happy to see this. So man, while we got you here, um, the shirt and tie is only going to get looser. So I uh, we might as well start off this award ceremony, and I want to start off with the offensive rookie of the year. And I don't think there's a debate on this one. It's Jamar Chase, wide receiver of the Bengals, owned by the Gridiron Seals. Man, this guy just took the league by storm. Remember when there was talk in the summer that he didn't know how to catch a football? Well, he caught 81 passes this year for over 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns. He had seven 100-yard games, including the playoffs. Remember that Week 17 game? 256 yards against Kansas City. Um, this kid is obviously a stud. Um, I don't think we, everybody thought he's going to be this good, Andy, but uh, I think this is an easy one. Jamar, I think this is an easy one. Rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Oh, yeah. Absolutely no doubt. Jamar Chase, rookie of the year. And two of those seven-plus hundred-yard games, Chris, were for over 200 yards. And just an absolute game record. It's funny you bring that up because it was, yeah, back he's like, oh, the, the stripe on the ball's different. Uh, it's tough for me to see. And we're like, what the bleep? What? This guy, what? Yeah. oh no, what a mistake. They should have taken Panay Sewell. They should have taken the offensive lineman, which, you know, they should really address this offseason. But man, Jamar Chase, outside of the game, my Cleveland Browns shut him down, eliminated him for one game, and then the rest of the season he was amazing. So easy choice. Yeah, it, it's always it's always awesome to see these guys live up to the hype. And, like, before the season you thought, like, okay, T. Higgins is probably going to be a 1,000-yard mm -hmm. receiver. They still got Joe Mixon, so they're not going to go away from the run. He's probably going to take away Tyler Boyd. But with Tyler Boyd as well. So and like Joe Burrow was coming off the injury, we didn't know how good he was going to be. So like for Chase to live up to the expect, actually not even live up, probably blow past expectations. Mm -hmm. And what he's done in the play, he's had two hundred yard games in the playoffs. They're in the Super Bowl now. Um, just a great thing to see with Jamar Chase, and uh, big things are going to happen for this guy uh, over his career. So let's move on to the Defensive Rookie of the Year and probably another no-brainer. It's Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys, also owned by the Gridiron Seals. Uh, 64 tackles, 13 sacks, three forced fumbles. 
He was linebacker two this year in UFAFL scoring. Um, he was the 15th pick in the rookie draft this year, so yeah, got great value as well. Um, Andy, Micah Parsons was great for the, an, an improved Cowboys defense this year as well. Uh, what can you say about this stud linebacker out of Penn State? Uh, yeah, he was a big part of that improvement, and he has been so versatile. And when you have a weapon like that, and I think you have to categorize him as a weapon, where he, you don't just slot him into one area. You can move him. He can go sideline to sideline. He can drop back. He can blitz. He can do a bit of everything well. And it yeah. just gave that Dallas Cowboys defense that freedom to really open up in so many different areas. And that was a huge step forward, And which why that, that Cowboys team being eliminated so early in the playoffs is disappointing because you just think, man, if they got that one extra step, what could a guy like Micah Parsons do in an extended playoff run? Yeah, he looks like the real deal, man. And then him with Trevon oh, yeah. Diggs, like, it was the Dallas Cowboys defense. Like, the offense was good this year, but when you consider expectations, um, I think the defense pretty much outworked the Dallas Cowboys offense. Mm -hmm. Like, they had a good year, obviously, but, like, Dak wasn't the same. Zeke wasn't the same. There was injuries um, with the receivers as well. Um, so, Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, they really helped carry that uh, the Cowboys team to the playoffs. And, like you said, the versatility of this kid, he should be around for at least 10 years. Um, and, like, a rookie defender to be this well, especially for fantasy, uh, it's unbelievable yeah. to see. And I can't wait to see this kid uh, in the next couple of years. So I'm going to switch it up now. We're going to hit another offensive category. But I wanted to go offensive value of the year. Um, a guy that maybe went a little bit later than he should have and obviously exceeded expectations. And this year, I think my offensive value of the year Debo Samuel, owned by the Blitz, San Francisco 49ers wide receiver. Andy, he was the 23rd pick of the fifth round. He was sandwiched between Curtis Samuel and Alex Madison. So he had 1,405 <laughs> receiving wow. yards, 365 yards on the ground, 14 total touchdowns. He finishes the wide receiver two in UFAFL scoring. And I think the big thing for Debo Samuel this year, health. He just stayed healthy. We always knew he had the right. talent. But then you saw what happened with Brandon Ayuk last year. It looked like he was going to be the number one option for San Fran coming into the season. But they found a way to use Debo, not just as a receiver, but they pretty much just used him as, as like a unicorn, man. He was lining up Everything. in the backfield and the slot outside. He was awesome this year. Uh, what can you say about Debo Samuel? Oh, yeah. Debo was uh, – I have a soft spot for him because I got him at a pretty good value in one of my house leagues uh, as well. And in some regular – uh fantasy league he, he had i believe yahoo he had the running back and wide receiver eligibility i said micah parsons a weapon Debo samuel does that even more so guys guys an absolute a, a, a tool a weapon a whatever you want to call him and he was used all over the place because san francisco once again was littered with injuries for so much of the year so all right eliza mitchell goes down hey Debo, can you can you step in a little bit, help out? Oh, no problem. I'll just score a ton of touchdowns and run. Hey, can you can you slide out into the slot, help us out? That Not a problem. I just wonder moving forward what Debo Samuel's value and usage is going to be now that Jimmy Garoppolo is, looks like 99% out of town and they're going to give Trey Lance a look. I wonder what that looks like for him next season. Yeah, very curious. In your home leagues, I like he's probably going to be in that mid-second round range like he won't be the first mm -hmm. probably won't be the first two or three wide receivers off the board but he's obviously not going to be he's not going to catch anybody by surprise next year 
So you just hope that the health stays with him because obviously when he's on yeah. the field, like no one can tackle him. <laughs> it's so crazy to see, like he <laughs> never gets tackled. Like the first guy doesn't get to him. So I'm happy for Debo that he was able to stay healthy this year and put up these stats and that, yeah, like you said, that 49ers offense could look different next year. So I wonder how they use Debo, especially when you still have like George Kittle and Ayuk and a good mm-hmm. running game. But um, he was unbelievable this year. Great pickup for the blitz and uh, just happy to see a good guy like Debo uh, finally show what he can do in the league. So let's move to the defensive value of the year. And this one took a little bit of digging, but this one stat was really eye-popping. So it's Robert Quinn of the Chicago Bears, owned by the Tiger Sharks. Andy, he was the 11th pick of the 36th round. And he ended up being <laughs> the linebacker the linebacker three in UFAFL scoring. He finished just 11 points behind Michael Parsons. He had a 45-point week in week 11. He had 18 and a half sacks and four, four forced fumbles this season. Personally, I didn't watch a whole lot of Chicago Bears games, but you can't argue with the numbers here. Like, how, how does a guy with 18 and a half sacks fall to the 36th round? Uh, this is That's incredible awesome. to me. Uh, great job by the Tiger Sharks grabbing this guy when they did. Um, he's done well in the past. Like, I think he had some years with the Rams. He was really good. Um, but, yeah, Robert Quinn, man, that's your defensive value of the year. I'd be shocked if you could find a better value than that. No. No, you can't find a better value. For, for the production, for the draft position, that's phenomenal. Now the Tiger Sharks get to have him carrying forward as well, right? So that's that. let's see what he can do next year. Uh, but that value at that position point, that's how you make noise in the UFAFL, right? Easy to pick the first couple rounds. When you hit on the 30, which is still crazy to say, 36th round pick. Yeah, right? <laughs> when you hit on that, that's how you win games in this type of unique fantasy football league that is the UFAFL. So well done, Tiger Sharks. Okay, well, you talk about getting uh, getting a late draft pick, right? How about getting an early draft pick wrong? And we're going to move on to the biggest mm. bust of the UFAFL. And we're going to stick with the Bears here and its wide receiver, Allen Robinson from Circus Sports Trout. He was, the, he was the second pick of the third round. Just 410 receiving yards in 12 games this year. Only one touchdown. Um, really disappointing this year. He had His highest yard total in the game was 63. Now, he had hamstring Ooh. issues in the second half of the year, and he had inconsistent quarterback play, obviously, between like them trying to fit in Justin Field and Andy Dalton. Um, and it's, it's kind of bad timing for Robinson as well. He's a free agent this year, so maybe better days are ahead. He's going to get out of Chicago, maybe find – uh, more consistent quarterback play somewhere else. I don't really know what his contract situation, like how much are you going to give a guy coming off this type of season? But he's been so solid for so long. Uh, you just kind of feel bad for a guy like A-Rob who's never really had consistent quarterback play ever in his career. Like his best quarterback might have been Blake Bortles. <laughs> so just oh. kind of feel bad for Allen Robinson. But for the Trout, uh, really just a really awful pick at this point right now. Is there anything you can – Hopefully, maybe, how can uh, the Trout feel better about Robinson going forward? Well, I'd say overall, Scriz, that they were able to overcome it going perfect they all were. season 17 Yeah, no doubt. Winning the division, getting the first round by. So that shows to the depth for the rest of their draft, right? For the rest of how they built that team to be able to overcome. Because quite often, you miss on that type of high pick. That can cripple you. For a whole season, but the trout overcame. I had Allen Robinson in one of my home leagues as well. 
screws. And that was, I had a Benjamin eventually drop him. I was, I was anger dropping Allen Robinson. I don't necessarily blame the player, but you're right. Where is he going to end up next year? Is it a one-year prove-it deal? I can see that. Go somewhere, you know, take uh, X amount, see if you can pop some huge stats and then go try it elsewhere. He's still, he's still pretty young. He's still what late. I think he's late twenties. Yeah, um, he's, he's, I don't think so, he's hit 30 well, years old yet. Yeah. So he still yeah, has some so, time, but man, you got to get in a better quarterback position. Like just have to. Yeah. So the bears probably won't franchise him. You're not going to pay top five money for a no. guy with just that amount of production. Maybe he goes to the Patriots. They have a need a wide receiver. Uh, depending what happens with the Packers, they might need a wide receiver, so maybe they can get him mm-hmm. cheap yeah, there. Yeah. But there might be some options for Allen Robinson for a bounce back next year. Uh, let's just hope so. Not that the Trout needed, like you said, but hopefully for the mm-hmm. player, he can uh, he can have a bounce back season. Well, let's go back to positives. Uh, we were speaking about the Trout. Will he win the GM of the year? Drum roll, please. No, he actually That's didn't. It. I'm going with DJ oh. Myers of the Heat Wave. For the GM of wow. the year, he fin- so the Heat Wave. They finished sixteen and one. They had sixty four hundred points scored this season. That's actually four hundred points more than the undefeated Trout. They had the thirteenth pick in the draft. They lost. Um, they lost Christian McCaffrey and Ryan Fitzpatrick all season. Fitzpatrick was their third round pick. Uh, they ended up drafting Max Crosby in the twelfth round. That was probably their best value. Um, but overall, man, it's hard to. For what, from where they drafted and from the uh, from the injuries that they had, especially in their top rounds, it was hard for me not to give this award. Uh, they made it to the Skull Bowl. So DJ Myers, they yeah. came over at the Heat Wave. To me, uh, I think that's why he earned GM of the year. Screws for how you laid it out. It's tough to argue. That's a lot to overcome. And then to make it to the championship, to make it right to the end versus Legion on Super Bowl Sunday after overcoming those two big losses and not to say who knows what to expect out of ryan fitzpatrick but you lose we know that the quarterback value in the ufafl so to lose a true starting quarterback that early what was it like part way through week one it's like oh what what do we do now and to be able to pivot and, and and get all the way to the championship with only one regular season defeat dj myers congratulations on gm of the year yeah so he was actually able to get taylor heineke later in the draft so Maybe he knew that maybe Fitzpatrick wasn't going to be the guy for the whole season. Yeah. But like we said, like that's just good GMing because if you get your backup quarterback and like Heineke was okay, he probably wasn't top 10. At times, weeks, he flashed. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like obviously Washington was a little disappointing, but like, yeah, for these guys to to put up that many points with all the injuries they had, like, like you said, man, kudos to DJ Myers and the boys over there at the Heat Wave. And uh, yeah, good luck to them, obviously, this weekend. So let's move on to the UFAFL Offensive Player of the Year. And by five, just five points, <laughs> it is Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen of the Gridiron Seals. Yeah, he beat Tom Brady by just five points. Uh, Josh Allen, 42 total touchdowns this year, 4,400 pass yards, 763 rushing yards. Uh, he was the third overall pick in the draft. And, man, it, it's hard to argue, like, Josh Allen might be the best fantasy. Like, he was the number one fantasy quarterback uh, in, like, standard leagues last year. He was the number one QB, again, this year in standard leagues. Uh, what can you say about this absolute stud uh, who's only – seems like every year he's only getting better? Guy's the total package. He gets your fantasy points with his legs. 
He's got a cannon arm. So he can run, but he doesn't have to. Big yardage with that arm. He's fearless. He's dirty. And he's on a team that wins a lot of games. Like it's and, and like you said, Squids, each year Josh Allen gets better. And I expect him to again take another step forward next year, even with Brian Dable. Now that'd be interesting, Brian Dable leaving for the Giants job. But Dable did such a remarkable job bringing him along from being, remember, folks, 2018, he was the rawest of those first-round quarterbacks. He was the guy who had the highest ceiling, but also the biggest bust value. And I maintain if he went pretty much anywhere else, he would have been busted out. He would have been the next Mitch Trubisky. Imagine if Josh Allen went to the Jets instead of Sam Darnold. Imagine if he went to the Arizona Cardinals instead of Josh Rowe. Woof. Different situation, but it worked out. They brought him along, and now the guy is the toast and the class of fantasy football quarterbacks. Yeah, it's amazing the turnaround the Bills have had. Because so Josh Allen, I think it was that first year, he had that playoff game against the Texans, and he looked like really erratic. Like he would make yeah. a lot of like bonehead decisions, like throw the ball when you're not supposed to instead of just throwing it out of bounds. Um, and then they went out and they got him stuff on digs, and that seemed to help a lot. Now he's got Gabriel Davis, he's got Dawson Knox, he's got some reliable weapons, Cole Beasley in the slot as well. And for him, they don't really run the ball that successfully. Now they had some, uh, Devin Singletary did well late like late in the season, mm -hmm. but he's like their goal line running back. He's their short yardage guy. And like you said, like he can take off, he can do quarterback draws, like he gets like big chunk of yards, he's hard to tackle, he's got a cannon of an arm. Um, it's amazing to see the progress that this guy's had because like, from his college tape, like, it, it, not that you didn't see the potential, but I don't think people would have thought he'd be, like, a top three quarterback in the NFL this fast. So, um, good. No. Like, and also, Brian, yeah, that Brian Dable, we'll see what happens. I've seen with the Titans what happens when you lose your offensive coordinator. So, we'll see what happens with that loss of Brian Dable. But, like, there's no reason to think that Josh Allen won't be a top three to five fantasy quarterback next year. Yeah. he. I think he's well-established enough now. Um where he's been growing, they know the path, they know where he still needs to get to. Brian Dable, again, all the credit in the world, but it looks like, I, I would feel safe to say Josh Allen is established enough. And really in that, I don't even think it's an argument, Chris. The most exciting finish to an NFL playoff game of all time with Kansas City in the back and forth. Gabriel Davis, that's going to be a bar trivia question one day. Who has the most single game playoff touchdowns? Not Jerry Rice. Gabriel Davis and Josh Allen, there's nothing more the man could have done. So I think he's fine with or without Dable going forward. Yep, and I think the Gridiron Seals are going to reap those benefits for a long time. So let's move on to the UFAFL Defensive Player of the Year. And Andy, sorry to say this, mm. but it is TJ Watt yeah. of the Pittsburgh Steelers, owned by the Resistance. Uh, Watt was the 30th pick of the second round, so even he got decent value out of there. Andy, he outscored the next defensive player by 55 points this year, which was Michael Parsons. Wow. He finished with 22 wow. and a half sacks and five forced fumbles. Uh, those 22 and a half sacks tied Michael Strahan's single season record. Uh, he had nine games over 20 points this year, including that 50 burger he put in week 17 against the Browns, but we won't talk oh. about that. Um, and, and <laughs> the craziest thing about this, he only did this in 15 games. Um, yeah. So obviously sacks, sacks go a long way in the UFAFL. Um, but what can you say about this absolute stud who uh, is going to be terrorizing offenses for the next couple of years at least? 
Well, I, th- I think when you said it there, Chris, he did all that and missed two games. He missed two games yep. and still did that. That's, that's absolutely unbelievable. The guy is that the Watt gene pool from his brother, JJ, of course. Uh, wow. Like, it's, it's just something else. Now, the issue with him moving forward is going to be, I think, much like JJ, is the injury side. Can he stay healthy? Can he keep going at that level? And what does that mean? I almost feel, Skriz, like the Watts brothers, they work out too hard. Like, they go too hard. And you can't take that out of somebody. You can't take it out of them. So they're just going to do it. But they go full gear all the time, and that lends itself to injury. So how much he ends up playing next year and how long that lasts at that high level before injuries might take their toll remains to be seen. But this was a special season for T.J. Watt, and I have to give the man his due despite him being a Pittsburgh Steeler. That was phenomenal. You know, I'm considering him on the resistance. He's a resistance player, so I can like him. He's not a, not a Steeler today. He's a, he's, a, he's a UFAFL player. Well, while we have T.J. Watt up at the podium, we might as well hand him his second award because there was nobody that I could uh, give the defensive MVP else to. Um, he was just a monster, just a wrecking ball man. And uh, hope, like I don't really know about this Pittsburgh Steelers team next year. Like They're going through a transition where like they're going to definitely have a new quarterback. Uh, Juju's yeah. likely gone. Uh, it's going to be weird to see how this offense goes. Uh, Cameron Hayward, are they going to get another uh, quality season like that out of him? He's getting old. Uh, the def- like the secondary is okay. And, like Mika Fitzpatrick is obviously good, but uh, the corners leave a little bit to be desired. And it's a tough division. However, like you said, as long as Watt can stay somewhat healthy. Uh, that was really funny when you said, like, I feel like their muscles are too big for how fast these guys are. Yeah. And their body just can't. The body just can't handle it. I don't really know the science behind that. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but uh, neither am I. Yeah, like I said, uh-huh. yeah. So hopefully these guys could like. Hopefully he can stay healthy next year. But like, yeah, there was nobody else I could have picked for the MVP award. Uh, no. Those UFAFL awards, like those MVPs, were just total points. But I couldn't uh, not give this, uh, not give TJ with the defensive MVP. And I'm gonna the last award we're gonna give out is the offensive MVP. This one was tough. There was uh, Jonathan Taylor was probably in consideration for the first half of the season, but I had to go with Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup of the Hammerheads, uh, 31st pick of the third round. And he was the triple crown winner for receivers this year. His 145 um, receptions, his 1,947 yards, and 16 touchdowns all led the league for receivers. He was obviously the number one wide receiver in UFAFL scoring. And he was the 13th best offensive player in the entire league. Uh, his lowest output in a week was just 11 points, which doesn't even kill you. He had six games above 30 points and just three games with less than 20 points. Uh, he owes probably a lot to Matthew Stafford for all these stats. But, man, it like obviously it was tight between Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. But when you look at the underlying stats, I could not – give this award to anybody else congratulations to cooper cup and the hammerheads uh andy do you like obviously cup is probably going to be the number one receiver taken in most home leagues next year but like how close do you think cup can be uh can like how close can he be to repeating these type of stats next season Uh, well first of all yeah tip of the cap to the hammerheads for getting that 
that pick. Uh, what did you say? Third round, Scribs? End of the third? Thirty, almost the thirty-first pick of the third round. He's almost a fourth. Thirty-first. Wow. Wow. So, so to get that, and you know what? It was the big unknown. So great pick by the Hammerheads, but it was a, it was an unknown. How was Matthew Stafford going to gel with this team? Was it going to be Robert Woods? Remember, up until this year, Cooper Cup was known as a slot guy with Jared Goff. He was a slot yep. guy. That's what he did. Well, not anymore. Matthew Stafford's like, how about you go a little more downfield? And then they broke a whole bunch of records. And that's what they did. So how is that going to look? Uh, I think it would be extremely difficult to think that he could repeat this year's numbers. That still doesn't mean he can't be a bona fide WR1. It's a case, too. It's interesting, Squiz, especially in Keeper Leagues, Dynasty Leagues, UFAFL, which is the ultimate, uh, is when do you sell at the highest point compared to having still a young player and using him for years to come. That's the balance because his value is never going to be higher. It's he's like the the best receiver, like w- without doubt. So, do you try to sell? Do you try to get a king's ransom to build elsewhere? That's going to be this an interesting strategy to follow, uh, just overall in fantasy football and in the UFAFL to see what gets done. Um, can he repeat it? I- I'd say doubtful, but again, that doesn't mean we still can't see another what fourteen hundred plus yard season which is still would be incredible. Yeah, like Robert Woods should be back next year. I don't really know what's going to happen with Odell. He's going to be a free agent. Uh, Cam Akers is going to be back next year, hopefully healthy. And uh, so he yeah. should take some receptions as well. So like, will Cup finish as like a triple crown winner? That's hard to bet on because like usually for wide receivers, yeah. they don't usually repeat um, like as the WR1, like any position really, except for Josh Allen this year, like, it usually doesn't happen. Um, and you're still going to have guys like Tyreek Hill, uh, Devontae Adams, depending on what happens with Aaron Rodgers. So he's obviously going to have some competition for that spot. But, man, what what a turnaround for him. Like, the, to go from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. Uh, <laughs> and Stafford and him just, like, like we, we they joked about it all year. But, like, they were having breakfast together every morning. So maybe that's the key to finding chemistry with the quarterback. If you just, yeah, yeah, if you just spend all your – yeah, bacon, eggs, like who knows, man. But whatever. Like, good for Cooper Cup. Remember, I remember a couple years ago when they went on that playoff run to the Super Bowl, and he got hurt. I think he tore his ACL. He missed the playoffs that year, and yeah. like he's always been like a good player. But like a lot of guys this year, including myself, they drafted Robert Woods ahead of Cup because you weren't you weren't really sure. You're like, okay, maybe he'll be a ten touchdown guy, but maybe a thousand yards because he's gonna have so many weapons around him. So. To see what he mm-hmm. became this year, he just seems unguardable, especially one-on-one. Um, good on Cooper Cup, man. Like, just happy for that guy. Good job for the Hammerheads. Like, And like you said, like, could they deal him for other things? Yeah, maybe. But as long as Matthew Stafford is there, you know he's probably going to be a WR5 going forward. So it's going to be a really tough decision to ever trade a guy like that. But, yeah, uh, good on Cooper Cup. It's going to be fun to watch him this, this weekend going against Eli Apple. I don't think that's a good matchup for the Bengals, so I'm really curious to see how they attack right. that matchup. So, um, buddy, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, the first ever UFAFL award show. Uh, that was a lot of fun, yeah. buddy. So I know you're really busy. If you want to give another plug to the Legends League before you head out, that'd be great. But uh, thank you for taking the time. Well, Scriz, again, you've done such a phenomenal job all season long on the show. So thank you for UFAFL Nation. I know the group, the owners, the GMs, and just the general public have loved the job you've been doing. And folks, now, yes, check out 
the American football legends like you want to see the best NFL players of all time from any era go head-to-head in dream scenarios. We got it for you. Every single week, Sundays and Monday, AFLL.live, www.AFLL.live. That's the YouTube channel. Subscribe. You're not going to miss it. We also have other content on there, one-on-one interviews with NFL greats. Each game, the game of the week, which is live commentary with myself and Dan Esposito, former NFL player. So it is a ton of fun. Follow along, AFLL.live. And one more thing, our buddy Jamie Thomas is doing an AFLL show as well, and I think he's making it to a podcast. Yes. Yes, he had I, – I was uh, the, the first guest on that show as well, Screws, and that was uh, this past week. J- Jamie Thomas is, does a tremendous job on the scouting side, but, yes, he's going to be having a weekly podcast, which is available wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Um, it's all going to be on there for your weekly legends updates and to see, like, okay, well, Otto Graham threw for nine touchdowns, um, and then you have the – you know, Curtis Martin went for 175. Eric Metcalf went for a touchdown. You know, how this all plays out and just – seeing this evolve is just fascinating theater to watch in this football dream world. Well, Andy, thank you for the kind words. Thank you for taking the time today. Thank thank you for everything that you do for the UFAFL. Now, I know you got some other errands to do, so uh, thank you once again for taking the time, buddy. We will chat again down the road. All right, brother. Thank you, and everybody enjoy the SEO Bowl this weekend. Hut, hut, hike! Thanks again to Annie McNamara for taking part in the first ever UFAFL award show. Uh, that half hour just just flew. I hope you guys enjoyed that as well. A lot of great fantasy talk as well. Uh, so let's move on to the NFL preview. Obviously, the big game this weekend, the Super Bowl between the Bengals and Rams. And there's a couple of things that I'm looking forward to when I'm watching this game. And the first thing that comes to my mind is how will the Bengals block Aaron Donald? Now, the Bengals have been sacked, or Joe Burrow specifically, has been sacked 55 times this year. And remember that divisional game against the Titans where he got sacked nine times as well? Well, Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the league, and I'm really curious to see how that offensive line handles Aaron Donald. Now, the the old line against that second half against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, held up pretty well. They made a couple of adjustments. They brought in a rookie, uh, one of their guard positions, so... Uh, I'm very curious. They have two weeks now to kind of scheme around Aaron Donald. And remember, Vaughn Miller is on the other side as well. Um, so we don't want to see what happened to Mahomes last year in the Super Bowl or what Vaughn Miller's Broncos did to Cam Newton back in 2016. So I'm really curious to see how Aaron Donald matches up against that Bengals O-line. And if they don't block him well, it's I think it's going to be a long day for the Bengals and for Joe Burrow. Uh, the second matchup I'm looking at, uh, rookie phenom Jamar Chase. Going up against stud corner Jalen Ramsey. Now, a lot of people are just going to assume that Jalen Ramsey is going to follow Jamar Chase around, like kind of like a Stephon Gilmore did with the Patriots. Um, that's really not how the Rams usually play. The Rams play zone 68% of the time. So what's going to happen usually is out of the huddle, Jalen Ramsey is going to follow to see which side of the uh, which side of the field Jamar Chase is lining up. Now he'll probably line up across from him. But from that formation, that he'll probably drop back into a zone. So he'll have his eye on him. But you got to remember, Jamar Chase isn't the only good receiver that they have. So, like, he's probably going to get lined up against T. Higgins once in a while. Jalen Ramsey doesn't mind playing against in the slot. So we might see a little bit of t- uh, Tyler Boyd action. So I'm really curious to see how these two guys uh, line up head-to-head. And then, the ma- like, the zone matchup, 
with these other receivers, I'm very fascinated to see how the Bengals can scheme Jamar Chase open. Um, when I watched that uh, Tampa Bay Bucks Rams game, Ramsey was uh, heavily on Mike Evans because he's more of a big body receiver, and you try not to get burned by that. But Jamar Chase is a different type of guy. He can take a like a hitch pass and go 50 yards. So I'm very curious to see the X's and O's battle between these two amazing players. And then the last thing I'm I'm kind of looking at with this, like it's a legacy, uh, it's a legacy game for both quarterbacks, and a win for both quarterbacks would kind of set their careers in different paths. So for Matt Stafford with the Lions, like this is like this is his first long playoff run. He had two playoff games with the Lions. He didn't win either of those games. And now it just seems like everyone's given Matthew Stafford his due. And they're kind of considering him like one of the top quarterbacks of this generation. And a Super Bowl win would go a long way of cementing his legacy. And for Joe Burrow, this guy's only getting comparisons now to like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Remember, Rodgers won a Super Bowl really early in his career. And everyone thought that it was going to be like three or four more for Rodgers. We haven't seen that yet. Um, obviously for Tom Brady, we see what happened to him. Like he won super early, but he kept on winning and winning. And a lot of people are just thinking like this could be the first of many for Joe Burrow, what he's done for the Bengals, like not only for the team, but as the brand, like every time you see Joe Burrow on social media, he's just saying some like really cool things. Like he just seems like the coolest guy in the world right now. He's made the Bengals cool. Um, so I'm really curious to see how both of these quarterbacks perform in this game. And for whoever wins, uh, it's just a good story all around. Like if you're a uh, if you're a neutral fan, you couldn't really ask for a better quarterback matchup because it's new blood in this game, and we're gonna get a cool story either way. And our last segment of the of the show, it's gonna be our favorite, our stock up and stock down. I went a little bit different with the stock up, and I went with Mike McDaniel, who was the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. He was the first minority coach. Uh, higher this offseason um, and when you think about what happened with Brian Flores and that whole situation with the Dolphins I thought this was probably the best hire that they could have made um, Mike McDaniel has become a social media darling as of as of late because when you look at him during the games like he looks like he'd be in the geek squad like he looks like he'd be working at Best Buy fixing your computer um, but then when you listen to him in his like uh, post-game conferences he drops uh, rap music references He's a 38-year-old kid who, who just like, he just seems like kind of like this nerdy but cool guy as well. Um, so I'm very curious to see what happens. And then like, I'm reading all these quotes from the San Francisco 49ers and they all love this guy. Uh, so he was a, a run game specialist. Uh, he was the, uh, the 49ers offensive coordinator last year. But since 2017, he was the run game coordinator. Now we know what the 49ers run game has been the last couple of years. Um, and this is a good move for the Dolphins because the Dolphins ranked 30th running the ball this past season. They were 25th overall total in offense. So we'll see what happens if they can open up the run game and maybe that'll get to a tongue of Iola, um, some more open looks because that's the, that's the biggest thing for the Dolphins head coach. If you don't upgrade the quarterback situation, you're going to have to get more out of Tua. So it's going to be a tough job for Mike McDaniel, especially in his first year uh, when he's trying to get his imprint on the team. But if you can improve that run game, that'll probably help Tua going forward. Um, so we'll see. But my stock is up for this kid because he just – I don't know if he's going to be a good coach, but it's an interesting and a fun hire. And after everything that happened with Brian Flores, like I said, um, 
interesting times happening in Miami to say the least. And for my stock down, I hope I'm not the only one that says it, but I hate the NFL Pro Bowl. Um, and the viewers seem to be uh, following my lead as well. They only had they had less than 7 million viewers. Uh, total, it was 6.69 million viewers. It was the lowest viewed game in 16 years. And when you watch the game, it's not your typical NFL game. Uh, players are avoiding injury. Everyone's giving 50% effort. No one's really trying to tackle. Uh, every interception seems to go back at least 50 yards. A lot of pick sixes because nobody wants to get hurt. It's not like the MLB All-Star game where you can't really, like, with baseball, you kind of have to try. Like, you can't just throw 75-mile-per-hour fastballs because guys are just going to keep launching them. And it's not like the NHL where guys, like, you can show off more skill in that type of All-Star game. Same with the NBA. Like, guys might not be fouling hard, but there's still, there's still a lot of skill involved in those All-Star games. And with the Pro Bowl, I kind of like what they do. It's just like their skill games. Like when they show the dodgeball and they have like quarterback accuracy contests. Like why not just have the best players in the AFC and the NFC just kind of team up and just do like more of a skill-based game when you can have money towards charity. Nobody wants to see this like this 50% NFL game. Obviously, there's a lot of studs and uh, it's probably an honor to be, to be named to the Pro Bowl. But just have it as that. Just name guys to the Pro Bowl. And just uh, get a, get rid of this game. Um, I'm not really sure what it's doing for NFL. It's not bringing in casual viewers. So I just personally think just that just that aspect of the NFL Pro Bowl weekend, uh, just get rid of that altogether. And that is it for this episode of UFAFL Nation. Um, not the last one of the season, but it's the last one we have in a big important game. Uh, good luck to Ross and to DJ this weekend. Uh, remember, guys, you can catch me at uh, on Twitter at Michael SKRZ and get the league as well at the UFAFL. Uh, Jamie Thomas heading over the scouting department at UFAFL underscore scouting. Uh, and if you have any questions, you can email the league. You can check out the league. There's a link at the bottom of the uh, the screen there as well. Do not forget to check out the UFAFL store. Grab some merch, guys. It's always it's always a good time to get gifts for the people you love. So why not slap on your favorite UFAFL logo and get them something as well? Um, you might be able to – are there any branded roses maybe for Valentine's weekend coming up with the UFAFL logo on that? Uh, something with the heat wave, like, hey, uh, you make my you make love hot like the heat wave. I don't know. There's something stupid there. But uh, don't forget to check out the store, guys. A lot, of, a lot of good things going on behind the scenes. A lot of people working hard. Um, behind the scenes, getting that store going. Uh, so thank you to everybody for tuning in. Uh, thank you for Dean Millar when the ones and twos. Thank you to Darren. Thank you to Andy once again for taking the time. Uh, don't forget, guys, to check out uh, Jamie Thomas's program for the Legends, uh, his podcast for the Legends League as well. Uh, we're one big family here at the UFA AFL, so if I can uh, help out those guys at all, then I'm glad to do it. Um, have fun this weekend, guys. Enjoy the uh, the big game. Good luck to Ross and DJ this week. Uh, we'll break that down next week. Uh, hope you tune in. Have yourselves a great week, and we'll talk to you guys next week.